0: Hola, and welcome to the podcast, Bustle's podcast for radical self love, fat acceptance, and visibility for all identities. I'm Marie Southern Ospina, and today I'm going to be talking to the sincerely fabulous Bad Fat Broads, Ariel Woodson and Casey Slack. In case you missed it, and if that's the case, I highly suggest not missing it anymore. Arielle and Casey are the founders and hosts of the first podcast for raw, inclusive, and radical body acceptance and fat acceptance. And it's called Bad Fat Broads. At a time when hashtagging body positivity has been very watered down and mainstreamed, Casey and Ariel are very unafraid of tackling the nittiest, grittiest, most political of subjects from dating as a fat person to having one's identity, one's fat identity, co opted by non fat people for profit and today we're going to be talking about food and morality. You know, the way we assign moral connotations to cupcakes versus kale, and the way we chastise ourselves when we have a cheat day, as well as the implications of fatness being linked to either wealth or poverty throughout the centuries. So thank you guys so much for taking the time to join me today. You're welcome. Thank you for having us. So obviously I'm a huge fan of bad fat broads, but is there anything you guys would like to say to people listening about the work you're doing?
1: So, uh, bad fat broads. Our kind of tagline is the bad fat broad perspective on everything important. So it's meant to be kind of wide ranging and media that is for fat people, by fat people, and about fat people.
0: You guys have four episodes out now, right? Five. Oh, actually. five! Amazing. As Yay! Yeah. Okay, I know what I'm doing on the train ride home. <laughs> 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 um, yeah. So. I kind of thought we could start today with talking a little bit about The connection between food and class, something that I don't think is discussed nearly enough. And as I'm sure you both know, throughout history, fatness has either been associated with like two sides of the coin wealth or poverty. And on the side of wealth, like all we have to really do is turn to the infinite political cartoons out there that are meant to represent negatively connoted individuals like Wall Street bankers and government officials and Uncle Sam's. And, you know, they're all depicted as fat and greedy and corrupt. And I feel like that image comes from the association of fatness and money observable as recent as like the later 19th century and still in developing nations. I just read a story on NPR of um, fat men's clubs and the fat men's clubs were described as spectacular celebrations of the wealth and chubbiness of a bygone era at once sociological curiosity and anthropological artifact. These clubs were a vestige and perhaps the last time society found corpulence to be worthy of celebration. And that was like late 19th century, early 20th century. But then in contemporary Western cultures, fatness is often tied to the exact opposite. And, you know, cost of healthy food is undeniably higher than, say, fast food or frozen dinners. So it usually means the likelihood of fatness increases in lower income households. And, you know, considering neither of these depictions, like wealthy and corrupt versus impoverished, have particularly desirable connotations, according to general social standards, I'm wondering how you guys feel class has affected perceptions of fatness.
1: I think you get a really interesting thing around both fatness and morality in America in general, um, because you have both kind of the leftover feelings of highly class stratified and monarchical societies where it was very clear that fatness was prized because of wealth, right? Like that those were hand in hand, easy one-to-one and really like Protestant work ethic thing that now values thinness because it's the result of work in the same way we believe wealth is the result of work. So you get, A kind of confusing double-edged sword.
0: I mean, talking about America, I wonder if there's also a link between kind of Christianity and Christian dogma and associations with fatness. I'm When you consider that, like, gluttony is deemed a seven deadly sin, and who do we associate with gluttony the most? It's fat people. And, you know, I just think American culture is a lot more tied to, to Christianity than it often likes to admit, to the point where, like how Christian or not Christian a political candidate is really factors in come election time.
1: Well, there's a way in which American Christianity is perhaps particularly uh, afraid of the flesh, right? There is a way in which American Christianity is a little bit hyper about sex and bodies in general um, and about desire in general, right? And so fat bodies become this kind of image of... uh, Unchecked desire in that framework.
0: Okay, so let's move on to this segment that I like to do every episode, called "Words Matter," where we aim to talk about the terms or phrases that are very confusing or problematic or have really distinct connotations in these conversations, like fat, BBW, obese, curvy, etc. You know, when it comes to like associating morality with bodies, we have all these all these term terms like. People will say "I was so good today because I ate a kale salad or I was so bad today because I had a cupcake. It amazes me how much we assign these distinctions of right versus wrong to, to food and our bodies. but like how do we are there any ways you guys have personally like found to deconstruct that line of thinking in your own lives?
1: My first first steps around that are to refuse good and bad labels about food. Um, that's not something. Food either makes you feel good or doesn't. That's about it. Yeah. Food doesn't have uh, moral weight of its own. It's It doesn't have... It doesn't have that. That's not something. Um, And so I have a tendency to interrupt conversations about, oh, I've been so good today. I've been so bad Mm -hmm. lately. Like, Like, I was unaware that this piece of cake had any particular moral weight. I didn't know that cake was a morally weighty issue.
0: Have you guys ever had an experience where somebody's talking in those terms and, you know, talking about how bad they feel for cheating that day? You know, a word that in and of itself comes with all these negative connotations of stealing and manipulating and being unfaithful and bad, bad, bad. And like coming across that in real life. Is there any practical advice you have for, for just dealing with that and like how to talk to people about this stuff in a way that, that resonates with folks who might not actively be thinking about, about some of this kind of stuff.
1: I like to ask people what they take the point of eating to be, because a thing that we forget when we talk about, good and bad food, is that food doesn't actually serve only a nutritional function. Um, food is a social ritual. Food is an emotional experience. You know, Eating is a wide-ranging cultural pillar, right? Eating is a big part of existing as a human in the world. So the point of eating isn't just like put nutrients into body. The point of eating is feelings, is community.
2: And eating can be pleasurable. I know that's a thing that people right. don't like. <laughs> times say, but
0: food tastes good. It really does. (laughs) Dessert? Like, dessert can be sexy. Like, I, you know, I love looking at, like, a molten lava cake that's overflowing with, like, chocolate mousse. That's, why wouldn't I? Right, and,
1: like, the concept of comfort food exists for a reason.
2: You're missing out on that if you're too busy being like, I
0: did something bad. So, did you guys, like, grow up in environments where that line of thinking was kind of common, just associating these moral implications with... With food. I
2: definitely grew up like that. Um, obviously it was in tandem with the fact that I was a fat child, a fat teenager, a fat young woman, and that I was that way because I was eating bad foods and if I could eat more good food, um, I wouldn't be that way and it was an attempt to correct that. There's also family history of health issues that were sometimes, there's not necessarily a, correl- a causation, but there may be a slight correlation, things like diabetes. And so there was a lot of, well, you can have this good diet soda because of the sugar or whatever and not mm-hmm. the bad real soda. And it was mm-hmm. just a lot of times really arbitrary lines drawn. Um, I've definitely had to do some some work to unpack that. I still, I, I will readily admit, I find myself... On occasion, I'm like, okay, I've been eating really bad lately. I need to get my shit together. It's a lifelong struggle, or it can be. I know it is for me. It's a lifelong struggle to unpack that morality attached to food, especially when it was ingrained in you from such a young age.
1: We had in my house a really uh, chaotic relationship with food um, that was definitely about very strong feelings about what, was good and what was bad um but also what was good and what was bad running super counter to what was normal for us to eat um so we would go through periods of times where we were on diets and we ate only salads and it was very sad um and then the second we gave up on that it would be like my mom would get pissed off. She'd be like, we're going to order a pizza. We'd order a pizza. One of us would go to the store and buy a gallon of ice cream, and we'd just eat all of it. And then we'd do that for a couple of days and then go back to something really restrictive. And so it was that really like chaotic experience that is grounded in like this food is good and this food is bad, and as soon as I have given up on the good food, I might as well go all the way with the bad, because there's apparently no, like, radiation of sin in that Mm. worldview. didn't say go ham. (laughs) I thought about it. (laughs) (laughs) I also thought about whole hog. That was a a phrase that I considered.
0: My family is Colombian, and there's this, there's a strange kind of, there's not so many moral implications placed on food, because, the I mean, the food is, like, so, it's bean heavy, it's meat heavy, it's, like, fried everything it's cheese and that's just like nor that's just normal that's how many many Colombians eat and yet if you're fat if you get fat off of eating that food then it's a problem then it's like you're doing something very wrong your body is wrong you are misbehaving while simultaneously like your auntie and your grandma are just giving you more fried food i
2: i definitely um I feel similarly. I grew up. I am not a big fan of soul food, but it is a big thing. I'm mm. black, in case you don't know. Um, so lots of fried chicken, greens, things like that. Foods that are, I guess lately there's been a movement to quote unquote make those foods healthier. But when I was growing up, I was never a fan of those foods. So if I wasn't eating, I would get you know, questioned about why I was so fat. But then when I did eat, you can't eat all of that or else you'll get fat. So it's yeah. like mm-hmm. you're serving me food that could potentially make me fat, not that that's <laughs> a bad thing, but then complaining, you know, Yeah. when I look at the way that I do after you fed me, you know. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of times thin people in particular don't realize or don't have any reason to realize how screwed up their relationship with food is. Yeah. Um, but I just – I can't ever – Walk into like a workplace kitchen and hear—it's almost always women talking about like their lunch or about cake, and, and we bond not over hear, it. Like, like, yeah, Disorder—that's
0: the thing—and like sometimes it's almost like a bonding ritual. Like if you're oftentimes if you're in a group of women, and the conversation goes towards food and diets and cleanses, it's like a joining, joining experience for people, which. I don't know, I, find, I just find that a bit troubling. It's
1: incredibly troubling, but part of our like rituals of femininity is let's all talk about how we're performing our femininity correctly, which includes let's all talk about how we're making sure that our bodies are in control.
2: I mean, but even like within the context of fat bodies, you see a lot of people like now talking about how well they can perform healthy eating. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Or, quote, healthy eating. So, I mean, you get a lot of talk about, you know, I am... And obviously, people sometimes need to do, like, various types of restricted diets. That's not what this is about. But it's just about, you know, latching on to eating a certain way or juicing or whatever because they want to perform as good fatty.
0: Yo, the good fatty trope.
2: That that conversation, even I mean, we talk. Obviously, we frame it in the context. I remember growing up as like a teenage girl and sitting at the lunch table with other girls and then talking about food. And already, I wasn't interested in it. But mm-hmm. that conversation isn't even escapable.
1: Like, if you just re- retreat into fat circles anymore, no, it's not. And there's such an obsession with improving health, um, improving health via behavior and. A variety of things are the case. Health, one, isn't a behavior. (laughs) Two, isn't something that needs to be everyone's goal and isn't something that's actually achievable for everyone. Um, Or
2: imperative. I mean...
1: Right, right. If you're not actually under any obligation to be whatever it is that society has decided healthy is, healthy is also a construct, it turns out.
0: Yeah, Um, I totally agree.
1: Right and that winds up being a question about like what are bodies for and what is the goal of being alive um, and if the goal of being alive is to be alive for as long as possible and uh productive in an industrial capitalist mode for as long as possible <laughs> then uh, maybe <laughs> like, maybe <laughs> these are the things he wanted to, but it all, also like it also doesn't doesn't work right like what causes uh, and, quote, health in one person doesn't necessarily cause it in another. It turns out bodies are really complicated. They're
0: super complicated, and they vary individual to individual. Quite a lot, yes. Yeah, like, <laughs> like that's that's the thing about these terms, like, blanket terms, like health. They're just so subjective. They never talk about mental health. Nobody ever means mental no. health when they ask you if you're feeling healthy, and I just... Yeah, that's absolutely one
1: of the hardest things about any conversations about, about health, because you know, which health. Yeah. (laughs) Which health and for whom. And the reality is that even the most benign of, uh, externally imposed diets for some of us will, no matter what, cause a just terrible firestorm of bad things in our brains. Right? Like if you have an eating disorder Personally, let me, let me be more specific. If I engage in any kind of intentionally restrictive behavior that isn't if I eat this, I will become sick. Then my brain will do five and a half million really awful things and I'll have to, like, talk myself into eating for the next three days. And I'd just rather not.
0: All this, I think, is obviously really tied to that good fatty trope that you guys brought up and the pressure to perform good fatty behavior and just, you know, prove your clinical health and the way society construes health and prove that you work out and take all the gym selfies that you can take. And I don't chastise people if that's really what makes them happy. You know, if 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 they really genuinely want to share their workout of the day, that's, that's you know, you do you. But there's just so much pressure put on fat people to prove these things before they're worthy of tolerance. And... I just, yeah, it's it's also crazy to me that if a thin person doesn't work out, eats at McDonald's every day, but doesn't look unhealthy in the way people think that means, they just get a pass. And it's, that's very frustrating to me, too, that, like, we're, it's just so, such an obvious indicator that, like, this isn't about, this isn't about health, like, this is about prejudice. Right,
2: that's why you get to see... You know Taylor Swift on a commercial on a treadmill. She gets to say, "I hate cardio." If yeah. I said I hate cardio, I'd be
1: crucified. Mm-hmm. And it's also why you know it's there's actually an awful lot of thin people who die from "end quote" fat diseases um, because nobody ever bothers to check them for them. No, right? So it's actually lots and lots of thin men, in particular, out in the world, like with untreated diabetes because nobody thinks to ask them about it and who has there's whole commercials about like you can be thin and active and have entirely awful blood pressure <laughs> and have a damn heart attack and die like that is all real and if we cared about health we would behave differently i mean even if even if we cared about health, the, like, construct that I don't totally agree with, Mm -hmm. (laughs) right? We wouldn't (laughs) behave the way we behave. So it's both that that construct isn't actually necessarily good and that uh, our responses to it belie that we don't actually even care about it.
2: No, it's just easier to walk up to me and slap a cheeseburger out of my hand. (laughs) I mean, that's, that's really, I mean, because I'm a fat person eating a bad food.
1: I... Love making people upset by eating at them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> by eating, like, burgers and tr- stereotypically yeah. unhealthy food at them?
1: Yeah. I love I that. Like, <laughs> I really like eating at people. Um, my first, One of the first like things I did on the internet that got any kind of traction was a Tumblr post I made a while ago that was actually about the various subjects, like their, uh, stop assigning moral value to food, 2K forever, is I think what I wrote. Um... And after that post got a certain number of notes, which were full of people being very sure that I didn't know what morality meant, which is really hilarious <laughs> okay.
0: to me, um,
1: I posted... It's not like <laughs>
0: you talk about these things in school every day. or no, anything like that. It's,
1: it's okay. I'm just a theologian. It's mm. fine. I don't know anything about that. Um, <laughs> but I posted a picture of myself eating a cupcake in a crop top, and it was just like, what now? Um <laughs> And that's one of my favorite ways to respond to that sort of thing, is to just be like, you're going to watch me eat. What? Yeah. Handle it.
0: I have um, I have a younger brother. He's a 16-year-old boy, and he just has his own body image stuff. But, like, I just love eating, like, Wendy's in front of him because it just, <laughs> like, like, so, so distresses him. It's like, like why, why aren't me? you trying to change? You're supposed to. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think one of the pictures, because I'm, like, happy and thirst trap one of the pictures that i posted online that has gotten the most feedback from men which is not a good reason to do anything but if you want to (laughs) there's a picture of me in a low top eating cheese fries yes so i i don't know what people say that they want to see one thing but their behavior says otherwise
0: yeah
1: I my favorite story about this, and I might have I might have told this story on our podcast. I'm just so in love with it. I'm very proud of myself. <laughs> I was in the airport in Detroit, uh, sitting on the floor eating a cheeseburger because I had a like quick layover and just needed to eat something. And people were looking at me. They were like really upset. They just kept walking by and looking very upset about the fact girl eating a cheeseburger on the floor. And so I started taking pictures of myself while I was doing it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I love that. Selfie it was up. just like,
1: like vamping for the camera, just like, yes, I'm very attractive eating a cheeseburger on the floor in the Detroit airport.
0: Did that increase the number of stairs? <laughs> it
1: did, but I was now in control of yeah. them and causing them on purpose. My my theory brain <laughs> wants to talk about social control and like making fun of people as a means of social control. And one of the ways that we let fat people know that it isn't okay to be fat is that we make fun of other fat people to them. Right? And we like... Yeah. Right. And like also that people who live normative lives in normative bodies experience people who are visibly flouting the rules as a threat um, like as a threat to their like perceptions about the world and how it works and how it should work yeah. um, and a lot of times I feel like when people get particularly like viscerally responsive to uh, fat bodies a lot of it is about their own internal messages about their bodies and the amount of time they spend worrying about their body right and it's Mm -hmm. threatening to their whole conception of their self that somebody can live without doing all of this stuff that they're doing all the time
2: well i imagine like and obviously not all fat people are fat because they live on a diet of cheeseburgers, but if that's what you think that fat people do, right. and you're sitting right. at home miserable with a salad, of course you're going to be mad at someone you think is getting by and not miserable <laughs> with a plate of kale. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. uh,
0: Why are they not wasting five time, hours right? of their day on a treadmill? It's funny because now there's also this trend, the lazy girl trend, you know, ev- everywhere on Instagram and social media. And it's like, it's so cool to be sitting on the sofa eating pizza if I'm under a size eight. And it's so cool to, to not want to work and not want to work out and not want to, not want to just like be be active in my life if I'm under a size eight.
2: I'm going to just name a name as an example, like Chrissy Teigen, who is like a foodie and is celebrated for her love of food, but it's also because she looks like how she does. Yeah. She's a
0: supermodel who's blonde and very slender. Right.
2: Right. If she didn't look like that, her love of food would probably be a problem. Like there's a reason why you don't see fat women getting cooking shows
1: and things like that. It's so interesting. I was just thinking about, um, Watching thin women on cooking shows and stuff talk about how much they love food. Welcome to Semi Homemade. I'm Sandra Lee. Let's get cooking. Delicious, 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 delicious. And then thinking about Oprah in that terrible commercial. Oh, yeah. This is the joy for me. I love bread. I Talking about how she loves bread? I now just manage it, so. I don't deny myself. And like how one of them is clearly meant as like I love bread like pathologically like I have some sort of some sort of horribly deviant attachment to bread, and the other one is meant as like,
0: look at me, I'm cute. Look at how luscious that is. Traits associated with being fat, be it laziness or overeating in quotes or whatever it might be, become cute as soon as they're on. A conventionally attractive woman And that's why, like, cool girls, you know Can eat a burger right. on first date right. And the guy says, oh, you're so cool I'm not used to being out with women who eat Right,
1: and I think that's always been there In the, like, cool girl thing And the, like, I want a girl who will eat a steak Thing, yeah. just like But but still, I want, you know, I want her to be tiny And never gain any weight I <laughs> want her to have a metabolism Like a very Powerful engine Yeah <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah, and just... A metabolism
1: like a hemi? Is that a... Okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, and just never show any, like, physical manifestations of the things that make her cool.
1: Right, and, like, physical manifestations of her interest in pleasure are not allowed.
0: It's just a sea of contradictions, really. Like, yeah. the simultaneous vilifying and, and victimizing of fat people as well, like... Clearly we're all terrible and worthy of contempt for our appearances and we're slothful and gluttonous and never take baths, but we're also being told that we're victims of an infectious disease that's taking over America and, you know, we need Michelle Obama to help fight this epidemic. And <laughs> Oh, just, boy. I want, it's just like, it's such contradictions on top of contradictions all the time.
1: Yeah, And the idea that um, what fat people need is for thin women to tell us how to not be fat, particularly thin women who have never been fat to tell us how to not be fat, yeah. is uh, <laughs> its a little baffling.
2: I'm, <laughs> that's my baffled noise. We talk about Michelle Obama, but Jamie Oliver has done nothing for the last <laughs> three years. But go on the tour of I Can Save You From Yourself, uh, doing uh, that little, like, awkward guy uh, thing he does. Uh, He's still he's still a thing.
1: Why, though? Who? <laughs> Ariel, we have to put him on the list.
0: Oh, oh you guys yeah. have... Yeah, your list.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Jamie Oliver does not exist.
0: Do you want to describe what that list is to people who may not know?
1: <laughs> Ariel, would you like to describe the list? <laughs> sure. We have a list of
2: people that do not exist in Bad Fat Broadsland because... There's just nothing pleasant that can be said about them. Basically, if you're familiar with uh, shady internet memes, you have Aretha Franklin. She's questioned on the issue of Taylor Swift. She says, "Great gowns, beautiful gowns." Or Mariah Carey talking about someone. She's just like, "I don't know her."
1: Hmm.
2: So that is that is our list. I mean, we can tell you who's on the list.
1: Yeah, yeah, but we've just added Jamie Oliver.
0: That's <laughs> yeah. I would love to hear a couple people who are on the list. Uh,
1: we just remembered to add Taylor Swift, Lena Dunham, Amy Schumer, uh, uh, Megan Trainor, Trainor, uh, and on the list, right? Uh, test holidays on the list, uh, lots and lots of, it's a long list, yes. and it just keeps getting longer.
0: With every passing day, honestly. Yeah, a lot of people who you just mentioned are women who have sort of made careers out of being slightly unconventional, like maybe bigger than a size 2, a la Lena Dunham, Amy Schumer, Megan Trainer, and who are not visibly fat by any means, but are slightly bigger than, you know, maybe the Hollywood standard. And who are now, obviously, you know, co-opting their, their kind of right to define the terms that fat people get to call themselves, because I guess that's, that's acceptable now.
1: Yeah. They really want to be in charge of some stuff that's not about them.
2: Yeah. Well, I mean, the problem is, in some, at least in one of those cases, you have people who are actually marketing clothes to fat women Mm co-signing what that Uh, person is doing.
0: Yeah.
2: I mean, Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, that's... I don't know who you guys are beholden to, so I'm
0: not going to name names, but I can't. <laughs> yeah. I struggle when celebrities and public figures are very clearly making a profit and a living off of fat women, be it because they're, you know, curve models or slightly curvier celebrities and, you know, they're they're making money off of a community of people and then they proceed to chastise that group of people or that kind of body or that existence... And want nothing to do with it. It's it's very uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> and that seems to be something that happens with a lot of people who are like the token. Right? Who get to be like, oh, but I'm exceptional. Let me tell all of the rest of you how to be exceptional like me. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm not here for that. <laughs> I'm going to get so angry I'm going to swear. So I'm just going to say that I'm not here for it.
0: <laughs> do you think there's any way some of these people... Anything these people could ever do to, like, redeem themselves and get off the list? Is be quiet and
1: answer? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, oh, 100%. Not that would help me. Um,
0: <laughs> just
1: some stop. Of them, the people, uh, some of the people on the list who are actually fat uh, could say new things, and I would feel differently But most of the rest of them. I just need them to be quiet yes. for a long time. The background of our morals is very rarely interrogated. We're often not, even when we're not thinking like religious morally, when we're just thinking ethically, we're not considering what the grounding of our ethics is. Um, and so we wind up making a lot of assumptions that don't actually make any sense if we take the time to look at them. Um, and one of those is this fatness is about unchecked desire. Unchecked desire is definitely bad. Um, which in America comes straight out of a particular reading of the Bible, a particular understanding of what the word flesh means, and a particular understanding of flesh as bad, um, which then comes out in an opposition to literal
0: fleshiness. Do you think sex and food are a lot more connected than, than we sometimes like to talk about? Well, I mean, I see
2: women eat sexy chocolate
1: all the time on TV. Right. That's okay. Right.
0: These commercials... Are okay because they're conventionally thin women. Right, and
1: conventionally thin women who are consuming food in a way that is pleasurable to a male gaze, right? Like it's it's all of that.
0: Oh, cheesecake. Okay, what if I just had a small slice? Are commercials that aren't explicitly supposed to be sexual or play into sexuality. I feel like you can still hear women sounding kind of orgasmic as they're like eating a spoonful of yogurt. On, on a commercial. Mm, raspberry cheesecake. I've been thinking about this all day. Yo play light with thirty delicious flavors all around.
2: I've, I've had yogurt, yogurt and it's not that
1: good. <laughs> it's good. It's not that good. <laughs> I've never in my life had yogurt that's half as good as everyone on television acts like it is. No. <laughs> As someone who is, is fat and bisexual and polyamorous, um, there is my, like, I, I feel like you're like a unicorn
0: of... in, in your world. Like, you <laughs> <must say. laughs>
1: My life is full of identities that cause people to interact with me as though I um, am without self control, and self control is a thing that we really value in this culture for a variety of uh, historical theories theological reasons, right? We have this this belief that self-control is, like, the ultimate and that if you can't keep yourself thin, you don't have self-control.
0: Are there any, like, just day-to-day steps that people can take to, to just deconstruct the notion that you should be chastising yourself for doing things that make you feel good?
1: I can't overstate the value of having fat friends mm-hmm.
0: uh,
1: as part of, like, a day-to-day... It is okay to have my body yeah.
2: practice and especially the full breath of that experience, not just, you know, the fun part where it's fun to be plus size and you want to be able to talk about all of it. The hard stuff. Yeah.
0: I think eating mindfully actually really matters, but I also think maybe
1: like masturbating mindfully matters <laughs> and finding the like unity between those two experiences and both of them as like good things with no actual negative consequence to the world, right? Like letting yourself enjoy eating something once a week at least, um, like letting yourself enjoy feeling pleasure in your body. We're not culturally taught to enjoy having bodies, regardless of which ones we have. Um, and the more deep in your body, the less you're taught to feel like you're allowed to enjoy having it. And I love having my body. Like, my body is great. <laughs> and I can only say that because I've spent a lot of time practicing being in it and enjoying being in it.
2: As I was say, I think it's important to try if you can, because it can be hard to seek out images other images because it's it's good that you build that internally but just like how you have people inputting negative things into you externally mm-hmm. it's important to have external reinforcement as much mm-hmm. as you can so trying to find media and images and things that look like you and obviously it's hard Like I'm thinking of who I can look at in media or in popular culture that is a fat black woman and is not portrayed in a negative way
1: it's we're we're scraping the barrel there. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing, uh, if one happens to be so lucky as to be queer, mm-hmm. um, having sex with other fat girls really helps. I,
0: I do I do second that. <laughs> it's very
1: hard to not think you're sexy when you think someone who looks like you is sexy. It's, you're like, all oh, right, I, all right, I'd bone me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <Right>. <laughs> so, something that we're trying to do every week is give a little shout out to a body pause badass someone who's contributing to these conversations but might not be getting the airtime as some of the bigger bloggers or activists and I'm wondering if there's anybody you guys would like to shout out today
1: so the person I think of first I mean has a pretty big platform but I don't see her work passed around as much as I would like to um Michelle at fat nutritionist her like I can't say how important to my comfort with my body, her work is. That's. Uh, I think she's amazing, and when she writes stuff, you should absolutely read it.
2: Um, I am thinking of bad fat black girl. First thing I think of is my fat. The my fat black sex story hashtag. Yeah. Oh crazy.
0: yeah.
2: Uh, after the episode of Empire where Gabby Sedibay's character had sex, and with people like were very cruel cool about, black black about black 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 that, black but I know she writes regularly at Feministing, so yeah. Yeah, that would be my person.
0: That's rad. If people listening want to find you, where can they go? Go to Twitter
2: at Bad Fat Broads. Facebook, believe it's Facebook.com slash Bad Fat Broads. It is. Uh, yes. We have a Patreon page because we love Patreon Sugar Parrots. <laughs>
0: um,
2: search Bad Fat Broads. I actually don't remember what the URL I'm pretty uh, sure it's patreon.com
1: it. slash Bad Fat broads.
2: That's probably it. <laughs> and then we have our own website, can
1: you believe it, badfatbrads.com. We're we across are. the board, pretty easy to access. <laughs> Basically just Google Bad <laughs> I'm at you
2: know, true,
1: mm-hmm. And I'm okay. at femina, that's how you pronounce that, but it's spelled
0: F-E-M-M-I-N-A. Awesome. And when can people expect the next episode? Uh, next week.
1: Well, there was a new one today. Thank you for having us on. Thank you
0: guys again. Thank you so much for everything.
1: Bye. Bye. Bye.